the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 29th morning of the 10th month of the year of our, the year of our Lord, 2018. The request to seek the death penalty against Robert Bowers has been started, and the DOJ says the Attorney General is taking it under consideration. Bowers faces 29 federal charges and 11 state charges in the deaths of 11 people after police say he opened fire during services on Saturday at the Tree of Life Synagogue. At an interfaith vigil last night, many expressed sympathy. Our hearts pour out to all those who lost loved ones and to those still fighting for their lives in the hospitals. Bowers posted anti-Semitic messages on social media just minutes before the attack and later told investigators he, quote, wanted to kill Jews. He is hospitalized after being shot by police. The President of the United States has joined virtually all uh, rational leaders in condemning the horrific actions of this anti-Semitic individual and has indeed called for the death penalty, as noted in that Fox News report. Uh, Rabbi Benjamin Sandow in Pittsburgh. True. But there are other ways in which we are united, and one of those ways is in our contempt for this sort of hatred, for this sort of senseless violence, for the meaningless taking of human life. In that sense, the vast majority of Americans are united. I certainly hope that is the case. Uh, Sadly, I am not 100% convinced that it is. Joining me to react and analyze now at my invitation is uh, my friend Daniel Horowitz. Daniel, of course, is a regular guest on this program. He is um, a senior... um, editor at uh, Conservative Review. He is also the author of, uh, of, of a very important book that you should read. It's called Stolen Sovereignty, How to Stop Unelected Judges from Transforming America. And you can also see him on CRTV. And as you may know, he is, of course, a person of Jewish uh, descent and faith. And I asked for his reaction to what happened at the synagogue in Pittsburgh. Daniel, thank you for coming on. How are you, sir? Great to be with you. And yeah, I mean, this is not exactly the week we expected to begin just a week before the election. Well, um, you know what? Why not start there? I hadn't really planned on that. I wanted to talk talk specifically about the victims and what happened and and the reactions to that. But Daniel, um, okay, um, you're right. It isn't. And there will be an impact of some kind, and since you uh, can speak on matters of faith and matters of politics uh, equally, um, what what do you make of that? What will the next five days and seven days, really, until Election Day next Tuesday, hold as a result of this? Uh, will there be an impact? Sure. So, I mean, obviously, I don't think this will ultimately impact the elections that much because you know, both sides are already as stoked as they can be. But what I do think is unfortunate is that there was once a time when you could look at a newspaper, you could, uh, you know, well, at least when we used to have newspapers, you you could see the classified section, you could see sports, you could see weather, and you could see politics. Now all the sections are politics. Um, there's nothing that's not political anymore. And you know what's really sad about this is that when you have <clears throat> one deranged human being that commits mass murder under the guise of any belief 
or you know perverted thought on on behalf of any group um, towards another group, this really shouldn't be very hard. There's only one person responsible, or if it's a group, a group of people responsible. Um, the public policy questions, the debates should always be separate and come afterwards. Um, and we should be able to debate policy outcomes on their own merits based on their own rational thoughts, data, um, and the strength of their argument. They should never be wrapped in the tapestries of tragedy or use victims as political human shields to pr- promote those outcomes. And, you know, that, that should be obvious, but, but nowadays, you know, whether, whether it's weather, a weather event, whether it's a sports event, as you deal with often, or whether it's a, a human tragedy or a mass murder, everything is immediately politicized. And, uh, you know, it's really sad. It, it, it is. It's terribly sad. Yeah, if I may. If I may, you know, um, and again, I, I wanted to speak to you because of your expertise, but also because you're a Jew. I had, um, last segment, I had Michael Goldstein on. Michael is the uh, husband uh, and campaign manager for Bev Goldstein, who is running for Congress against Marsha Fudge. She's wonderful. She is absolutely wonderful. But I said, Mike, I would like you to speak to this, if you could, um, you know, because of, of your faith and your status in, status in the Cleveland Jewish community, because I don't want Bev coming on and making it look like she is trying to exploit the deaths of these Jews in Pittsburgh for some sort of political gain. Feel sorry sure. for me. I'm a Jew. But yet, that's exactly what is happening, is it not? In in other parts of this country, people are yeah. using this for political gain. They're they're trying to actually get exactly. votes off of the blood of these people. Go ahead. And, and, and Bob, you could probably hear it in my voice. I I hate the victimhood. I hate it, and that's why I'm just very, very tepid about about uh you know even even playing that card. I can't stand identity. Um, I'm revolted by it. Um, because. The problem when you have any, you know, stuff happens, even the most evil stuff, and, you know, why are innocent people killed by savages in this world? I mean, that's the million-dollar question that we're only going to find out once God plants his feet on the Mount of Olives and reveals himself at the end of time. Until then, all we could do is, you know, do do our best to um, impose law and order, deter when we can, and pray um, always. And there really is nothing else. You know, I, there, there's there's no reason for me to say, yeah, I mean, this is part of a growing problem of uh, people really turning a blind eye, because it's not true. I mean, America is the most tolerant country in the world for Jews. Um, you know, anytime you will have people like this, and there will, will always be people like this. And, you know, it, it, it only takes one to wreak havoc like we see. So certainly, you know, you have small pockets of them. It's going to be a problem. But I have the full confidence of our government, whether it's Republican or Democrat, that, you know, we do everything we can within the constitutional confines to monitor. I know DOJ and the FBI, they're aware of groups like this. Um, and within the constitutional confines, we do what we can and, and there really is nothing more political than that. But then when you have groups like the ADL come out immediately, I affectionately call them the Arab Defense League, um, they, they come out and, and basically say, hey, this is due to Trump. This is because uh, people attack George Soros. And, you know, that's when people like me suddenly kick into the next gear. Well, if you want to talk politics, I mean, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And, you know... The same way you could say, well, 
this guy said some comments about illegal immigration or about immigration, open borders, whatever. So therefore, in the spirit of the Pittsburgh attack, we need to let in the caravan. Well, two people could play the same game and say, well, because this guy bashed all the Zionists in Trump's administration and hated Israel and hated the fact that Trump was so pro-Israel, well, we need to shut down any debate on that issue, and Democrats are no longer allowed to promote um, the BDS movement, um, which ironically is supported by George Soros. And, and again, you know, you could talk about – I like to talk about public policy, as you well know. Isolated yes. incidents, as painful as they are, it, you know, again, it only takes one crazy of any ilk to perpetrate any type of attack. But if you want to talk about trends and pervasiveness, I mean, the single biggest thing stoking anti-Semitism in this country um, and certainly the rest of the world, particularly on college campuses, is the BDS movement. It's the anti-Israel stuff. It's the Palestinian activism. Um, you know, if you ever have white supremacist, neo-Nazi type of groups, nobody uh, will tolerate that for a minute. They are marginalized by everyone, um, and we're all appreciative of that. Again, it just takes one person to, to strike out, and there's not much you can do about that, especially in this case, the guy didn't even have a criminal record, unlike the Florida pipe bomber, right. where you know he should have been locked up, by the way. Um, but, but again, you know, that's the thing. I, I've never heard more of a counterintuitive argument than going after George Soros is promoting anti-Semitism when that guy is the biggest funder of all of this stuff. And I think Trump is guilty of one thing. They are right. He is the cause of this in one way. His administration has become such a collection of philo-Semites from Nikki Haley to John Bolton to Mike Pompeo, so many people in, in, in the White House, um, that this guy was so ticked off about it. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe that's what animated him a little bit, and you see he wrote about that. So if you want to criticize Trump for one thing, maybe that's it. That's a very, very astute point, as we have come to expect from you. Daniel Horowitz is my guest. He is a senior editor at uh, conservativereview.com. You can see him uh, at CRTV as well. Name your podcast, too, while you're here, Daniel. I'll actually promote all your different vehicles. Sure. The Conservative Conscience, three times a week, uh, we uh, we unload. <laughs> I know you do, and, and I appreciate you coming on to unload uh, for us as well. This guy, uh, according to his neighbors and, and people who knew him, they had no idea he was anti-Semitic. He didn't, he didn't, like, you know, wear swastikas. He didn't make, uh, you know, a ton of online rantings until he went and did this. Uh, and, and some are saying they just, we just had no idea, uh, that, that, that this is how this guy really felt. How much do you think that exists um, in in the you know I know it's hard I'm not saying for a number but but sure. usually these people do kind of wear it on their sleeves and it scares me to think there are people that we all interact with every day that look and sound as normal as can be that maybe harbor this not that they would act out on it in the way this lunatic did obviously but they may harbor this resentment that they know is not uh, appropriate to say but they harbor this resentment to Jews is it, it, are we at that place in this country and do these people uh, condemn, as you just said, President Trump uh, for his administration and for his staunch support of Israel, his recognition of Jerusalem, his moving of the embassy, and so on and so forth. Do they harbor these uh, feelings beneath the surface? You know, again, in a country of 325 million, of course you're going to have people like that. You know, every once in a while I'll get a comment on social media. I'll ignore it. I'll see it. But the reality is you've got to look from a redressability standpoint, from a public policy standpoint. What are we doing and what can we do? And I could speak for my colleagues on the right that um, you know there, there is a direct parallel. The more conservative you are, the more pro-Israel you are. You cannot win a Republican primary without being pro-Israel, whereas on the left, it's the exact opposite. 
So the notion that you're going to pin this somehow on mainstream conservatism, strong conservatism, traditional conservatism, it just it just the exact opposite is true. Um, these people aren't conservative at all. And again, you know, they, they actually ironically hold the Soros left wing view on Israel if we want to start playing politics with that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're going to have them. Um, most of the time, basic criminology dictates that people that, who commit mass murder or murder at all usually have a paper trail more often than not. And, and that was the case with the uh, attempted uh, mass murdering uh, with, with the pipe bomber in Florida. He had a 30-year criminal history. And that's really where we need to, you know, you know my view, we're not locking up enough people, and yet both parties are getting together to let more people out of jail. But when it comes to a guy like this, I mean, this is where we're kind of in God's hands, and there's not much we can do other than, I would say, two things um, before we get to immigration, which is another thing that I think is important to talk about here. Um, Number one is, notice how in Israel, which is going to be the number one target if you hate Jews, whether Islamic or otherwise, notice how you never find more than one, two, or most three people getting killed from a shooting. You have bombings, you have car rammings, you have all sorts of attacks, but from a shooting, within 10 to 15 seconds, they are zapped. Um, Anyone from behind them, whether it's a security guard, whether it is a private citizen, they are gunned down, and they're killed before they could kill a number of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, You never find what we've been finding here in America. And I think the two things to deter people like this is, number one, look, everyone's got to carry. I think in the churches and the synagogues, you need as many people designated as possible to carry, um, particularly with tactical training in in situations like that and to work with local SWAT teams. Um, In this case, the Pittsburgh police were phenomenal. They came within, within a minute. Um, but nothing is like having the people inside um, being able to strike out at the guy at any moment from any from any and all sides. Uh, that's that's important. I think even more important than having security guards because they're inconspicuous, so they're not targets. They can't be taken out uh, one by one. That's number one. And number two, the death penalty. Um, interestingly enough, you see, Islamic suicide bomber, bombers, they're a lot harder to deal with because they want to die, and it's very hard to deter suicide attacks. If you notice in this case, and I've noticed it before in other white supremacist neo-Nazi type of things, um, they they surrender themselves. And that's what he did here. He didn't want to die. How long, Bob, do you think it's going to take to give this guy the chair or whatever they do, lethal injection? 20 years. I mean, all I could tell you you is now most of the uh, capital punishment we see, and, and, and it's really dwindling. There's very few. Um... Sometimes the cases are from the 80s, certainly the 90s. I mean, it takes forever. That's right. Our founders didn't envision this type of due process. It should be a few months. You get a trial. You get an appeal. When the evidence is clear, you hang the guy. You hang the guy right away. And, uh, and again, that's assuming he didn't get gunned down after killing one or two or three people. I think if there's no guts, there's no glory, and they're hung and they're swimming with the fishies, you're going to have a lot less of this, particularly from the non-Islamic type of attackers that don't seem to have a culture of suicide attacks in their arsenal. 
I, I could not agree with you more. That is very, very well said. We are talking about, of course, in, in, in things where there are public crimes that are committed in full view of, of dozens and dozens of people. A shootout in, uh, you know, ensues with the police and so on and so forth. We're not talking about the murder mystery where a wife disappears and suspicion goes to the husband and there's nothing but circumstantial. You can't hang somebody like that in six months, uh, you know, you know, and, and, you know, because there's just, you, you have that lingering doubt of what it might be. But in public situations like this, particularly in hate crimes like this, I completely agree. You have to send that message loud and clear and within the the constraints of our memories for crying out loud so people realize what was done and why this punishment is being carried out if you want to have true deterrence of this sort of thing in the future. Daniel, I'm way late. I do want to talk about immigration with you, so please hang with me. I have 92. All right, 1027, we continue. I've only got three minutes left for Daniel Horowitz. We moved some commercials, Daniel, to get you in here before we get to our bottom-of-the-hour news. You mentioned the caravan, and you mentioned you did have things you wanted to say about immigration. Go ahead. Sure. So obviously, you know, tied into this, uh, these same left-wing groups are basically saying, oh, you know, this guy was full of hate for immigrants, so therefore we need to love, and therefore very self-fulfilling it, it seamlessly leads into my policy outcome that I want to, to let in these people and other people like that. And, you know, I think one of the things, you know, I'm very animated about sovereignty. It's one of my strongest beliefs. I've probably written more more on the issue of sovereignty than, you know, perhaps anyone else in this field. And, you know, th- there is another aspect of this that's important to point out. If they're gonna, going to make this a Jewish value, um, I could speak about a Jewish value as well. There is no country that has amassed a collection of human beings that are this um, favorable towards Jews than America in this era. And that is very evident when you look at Latin America or Europe and some of the sentiments uh, um, and and beliefs that are pretty common and endemic of some of the societies there. Uh, You have a lot of societies, certainly in the Islamic world, but even in the non-Islamic third world countries, they're not certainly not all like this, but there is this old belief with some of the conspiratorial theories about Jews controlling the world. And when you bring in mass migration and you don't have strong borders, particularly from these type of countries, you're going to bring in people that are less than fully steeped in the traditions of, you know, Native Americans about um, who Jews are and who they're, who they're not. And I think this is, this is particularly important. A strong America with strong borders is the, is the most important thing for everyone, but particularly for Jews living in America. But I just find it disgraceful for people to, to politicize this. They, they, they are entitled to their views and to debate on their own merits. Mm-hmm. But I think we, we have the right to respond and, and give a counter view. And we can't allow the fact that, you know, this guy espoused some views on immigration to shut down the debate on immigration from a policy standpoint, just like I wouldn't say that they have no right to say their beliefs on the Palestinians, even though they comport very much so with what Bowers were saying. And and, and that's such a great distinction to make, and I'm glad you pointed all of that out, Daniel. And let me just ask you very quickly, because we're out of time, but um, the president, is he going to use 212F of the INA uh, to uh, to stop them? Because he has repeatedly said, so did Kirsten Nielsen over the weekend, DHS secretary, that these people will not be allowed in, period. Uh, it sounds like they're going to say, we're not going to hear your asylum cases. You are just not coming in. I don't know if that's going to happen, but is that what you expect them to try? That is absolutely what I expect. Um, heck, maybe he's even reading my articles. I don't know. But I could tell you uh, he's definitely heading in the right direction. He cannot afford otherwise. He cannot. This is such a blatant invasion of the country. 
um, where you have people belligerently storming their way into our country. I think the broader question is, are we going to fix the problem, the silent invasion, which is not just 14,000, but as we saw the new uh, CBP number is about 521,000 just in one year. This is something that needs to stop. And I think, you know, he's on the right direction. And if he does use executive power, which he has, I think that gives him more leverage to force Congress to finally address this. Until, of course, they judge shop and find some activist judge willing to uh, to stay whatever order he gives, just like they did on the travel ban when he used it. Unfortunately, that's exactly what's going to happen. But again, it's our fault if we're going to allow a district judge to now determine uh, how, how and when we should have borders. Very well said, Daniel. Daniel, thank you for coming on. And again, uh, you, you know, your 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 voice is always welcome on this program because of your expertise and your knowledge. But uh, as I said to Mike Goldstein, I, I wanted to speak to you as a Jew as well, and I wanted to extend on behalf of everybody who listens to this show. And there are a lot of Christians and a lot of Jews who listen to this show, but our, our deepest condolences and prayers and thoughts uh, because of the hateful action that was taken against people of your faith. And I, th- and I, and I really, really uh, hope you understand the sincerity behind that. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And and, and again, um, it's the form of Christianity that this country was built upon, as Tocqueville said, that inextricably links faith to liberty that has allowed all faiths, but particularly Jews, to prosper so much in this country. Outstanding message. Uh, Daniel, thank you. God bless. 1032, news time now. Your reactions after on AM 1420 The End. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Uh, we continue at 1037. Thank you for joining us. We are guest-free the rest of the way, so if you would like to uh, join us, uh, by all means, dial 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. I've spent most of the morning being apolitical other than calling out the politics of this, you know, calling out those who are being political over the shooting in Pittsburgh. But I do want to talk a little bit about the politics of this now. Um, as I noted uh, in the last segment of the program, I'm sorry, the segment before, when I, before I talked to Daniel Horowitz, talking about the president's response to all of this. The president of the United States was speaking yesterday in the early, or I'm sorry, Saturday in the early part of the day at the Future Farmers of America convention in which he talked about moving past the hatred that was on display in Pittsburgh. We must all rise above the hate, move past our divisions, and embrace our common destiny as Americans. And it doesn't mean that we can't fight hard and be strong and say what's on our mind, but we have to always remember those elements. We have to remember the elements of love and dignity and respect. The elements of love, love and dignity and respect uh, are usually drowned out, however, by the elements of hatred and the elements of, of bigotry and so, so on and so forth. And, and, and when I say hatred, I am not just talking about the hatred that was evident and obvious from this shooter uh, against people who are Jewish people of the Jewish faith, or people who have ethnic uh, uh, Jewish uh, ancestry. Um, That's not the only element of hatred we're talking about. We're also talking about hatred for the President of the United States, which I think is far more prevalent and obvious and stated by the left than their hatred is for the actual crime that was committed. 
when you listen to and you read the comments of the American left, whether they be commentators on NBC like Chuck Todd or ABC like George Stephanopoulos, I'm not going to play them all. But you've probably heard a lot of them on Hugh Hewitt this morning and read the comments as well. When you hear these comments of, of just absolute political posturing and trying to pin the blame for the shooting of Jews by an anti-Semitic lunatic who hated Donald Trump on Donald Trump, then you know the, 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 the hatred in this country is, it, that is most dangerous is the hatred from the left. They hate Trump more than they hated the murder of these Jews. They're not talking about him. They're not talking about his anti-Semitism. They're saying it's Trump's fault. Even though this guy hated Trump. That's how you know that there is, there is, there is true frightful lunacy on the left. And when I say frightful, I mean literally it frightens me. I think it should terrify you. These people are so out of touch with reality that an idiot, lunatic, murderer, an anti-Semitic, hate-filled piece of human flotsam and jetsam, like this shooter in Pittsburgh, they, they hate the president more than they hate his actions. They're not even talking about him. They're talking about Trump fueling this. That's frightening. It, 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 put, it really makes me feel as though we are on a path to a civil war that is unavoidable. No matter what actions occur or are taken that should bring us unity, that should bring us together saying, well, we can certainly all agree that's awful and that has to stop. And it's not political. It's not partisan. It's just, oh my, oh my goodness. I mean... Are, are, are we not all in agreement on the right and the left that the Holocaust was a bad thing? Right? Are we not all in agreement as Republicans and Democrats that Hitler and the Third Reich and the Nazis, that that was all a pretty negative thing to try to, you know, wipe out an entire race and religion of people? Think that would kind of be still the theme today? Oh, my God, an anti-Semite shot up a synagogue screaming, all I want to do is kill Jews, I just want to kill Jews, and then even after surrendering so he wouldn't be killed, he was shot several times, by the way, and survived, but surrendering finally, even after the fact saying, I just want to kill Jews, you'd think that would bring Republicans and Democrats together. Yeah, we all think this has got to stop. That's hatred beyond any realm of comprehension, and we all condemn it, just like we would condemn the Holocaust. Instead, the right is condemning the hatred. The Republicans are condemning the hatred by this anti-Semitic murderer calling for the death penalty for him. And the left is expressing their hatred for Donald Trump instead. That's literally what is happening. And that's exactly why Kellyanne Conway this morning was calling the left out for this, saying, can we please focus on the, the hate crime here and not the president? The president is focused on the crime. He denounced anti-Semitism in all forms. He said we must rise above this evil. He's called for the death penalty for this murderer in Pittsburgh who gunned down 11 innocent people because of their faith. And he said the word and anti-Semitism, anti-Semite, 
any number of times. And that's really the lesson from Pittsburgh, everyone. I can't believe on these shows yesterday and over the weekend, people are point, politicians pointing the finger, media making about themselves. Cut it out and recognize that this man went in there to, quote, kill Jews. They are making it about themselves and about Donald Trump, not about the victims, not about the 11 dead worshipers in that synagogue and the eight others injured, including police officers. No, they're making it about themselves and about President Trump. Why? Because the blind ambition, political ambition, the desire for power, literally, pardon the pun, but it literally trumps everything. For today's Democrat Party, it trumps everything. Their Trump derangement syndrome trumps everything, including murder, including hate crimes. There is nothing that drives them more than getting power back. That's it. There's evil in this world and that people were gunned down because of their faith, because of their Jewish faith. And a year and a half earlier... Steve Scalise almost lost his life crawling, crawling across the outfield in his own blood because that person was coming there to, quote, hunt Republicans. You've got to call it what it is. This president is asking us to rise above it and, and asking us to come together and unify as a nation. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's saying he isn't, isn't listening. Yeah, no, they're listening. They're intentionally lying is what they're doing, Kellyanne Conway. I want to share with you a few words from Kurt Schlichter. Kurt Schlichter, of course, senior columnist at townhall.com, who wrote his latest piece. You know, there's nothing that normal Americans can identify with, more than a guy living in a Ford-panel van covered with Trump memes and soccer manifestos who sends bombs that don't work to Democrats who support policies that don't work. Likewise, normal people totally identify with, let me get the liberal narrative du jour right here, a Trump-hating freak who shoots up a synagogue. And I think it's a terrific midterm strategy for our Democrat friends to keep making that idiotic case. Extreme sarcasm for the benefit of the willfully obtuse. The official media is in a frenzy explaining how Donald Trump personally instructed kooky weirdo de Florida to mail pipe bombs to washed up Dem hacks and that nameless garbage being in Pittsburgh via, uh, via a series of cunningly encrypted dog whistles. Make America great again is apparently code for mail bombs. Nothing says murder Jews like moving the embassy to Jerusalem and find, and ending the Iran deal. And opposing BDS, by the way. Oddly, of 63 million Trump voters, only one jerk managed to decode this cipher. The other hated Trump, the, the other hated Trump for liking Jews too much. But as CNN, MSNBC's brain trust, and other such thinkers as rock legend Joe Scarborough teach us, Their crimes are on all of us anyway, for some reason. We're all to blame for one kook's real terrorism because, well, he thought Trump was part of the giant Zionist conspiracy to make him a friendless loser. So it's not clear why. Maybe it's being, maybe, maybe it being a useful lie is reason enough. We're also to blame for the other idiots pantomime terrorists pursuant to the dippy moral calculus proposed by the same peeps who spent eight years slobbering over the protege of Bill freaking heirs. Ayers, as you would never know from watching our media, was a leader in an actual campaign of political bombings that actually maimed and killed people. So when Libs feigned shock at those raising the possibility that leftists might be responsible for doing something that leftists had a history of doing, as well as a history of faking hate crimes where they were victims, at a politically convenient time, the faux outrage rang hollow. And how faux the outrage was. 
And so very selective, too. Leftists demand you ignore the near-miss massacres at the Family Research Council and the baseball field by committed leftists who are not any crazier than their political allies, only more proactive. The message is that you normal Americans are complicit for voting for a guy who doesn't hate your guts. I think that on November 6th, the Democrats are going to get a message back from the people that they are shamelessly lying about. Normal voters are not going to look at this blood libel and say, yeah, I feel personally responsible for the actions of that Elizabeth Warren channeling fake Indian stripper guy with a kilometer-long rap sheet who totally would not have done anything nutty if it weren't for Trump. And also for the crimes of the scuzzy coward who hates Trump. I guess I have a moral obligation to vote for people that will ruin this, this surging economy, restore America to its rightful place as a laughingstock, on the world stage and attack my rights of free speech, free exercise of religion, and to keep and bear arms to protect myself from exactly these kinds of aspiring Stalins. But that idea makes sense. I'm convinced. I think normal people are going to be furious at these lies. I think they see how liberals and their water-carrying Fredo Khan Lickspittle are making a desperate play to stop the Republicans' momentum going into the election. And it's not like the liberals have had a really good sense of what issues to glom onto lately. They thought crucifying Brett Kavanaugh with false claims was going to stir up a blue wave. The electorate turned toward the Republicans. They thought that a caravan of greedy foreigners coming north to cash in on our welfare state was going to do it. The electorate turned toward Republicans even harder. Gee, what to do? It's not like they can run on their crappy policies. Oh, here's a great idea. Let's tell Republican voters that they are personally responsible for the actions of some Nimrod who looks like he's on a day pass from the mid-1990s WWE and another loser who sounds like Goebbels' fever dream. Good plan if you've never met a normal person, but liberals haven't because they hate normal people. The problem for our lead is that it has lost the ability to hide the fact that it detests the very people it presumes to rule. And until we can get rid of this whole democracy thing, those people are going to have a say in who rules them. And I expect that they will say no to the people that hate them. The fact is, this latest okey-doke isn't going to work. It's transparent baloney and normal people see it. One of the big challenges the liberal elite faces is that the fa- is the fact that it refuses to concede that their opponents, people like you and me, are not utter idiots who don't know they're being grifted. They have to think we're stupid. Because they have no achievements of their own, and so they're assuming we're dumber than they are. It's the only way they can feel superior to us. As a result, they adopt ridiculous strategies because they cannot accept that we're smart enough not to be fooled. This is just a wonderful piece kind of outlining it all. All of the anti-Trump and anti-Trump supporter hatred in the wake of the bomber idiot or would-be bomber, can't make a bomb, intentionally made bad bombs, whatever the story is going to turn out to be there, and the Jewish synagogue shooter. This is not on us. It's not on normal people. And Democrats blaming normal people for the actions of these nuts will blow up in their faces at the ballot box. Let's get our last check of traffic here. Come right back and finish it up on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten fifty four. final segment of this Monday morning. It's been a difficult show given the subject matter, obviously. 
But um, this is this is America 2018. We have to deal with these difficult situations. We have to find our way to power through them and come out better on the other side of them. Uh, the other side, I think, is going to be November 6th, quite frankly. And uh, and hopefully we will come out the better for it. Hopefully Kurt Schlichter is right with that piece that I just read from, that uh, normal Americans will not stand for this. They will not stand for being used and abused the way they are by Democrats who are blaming them for things that are not their responsibility nor that of their president. Speaking of the president, by the way, got a note here from a friend, sent me a link saying the president's coming back to Ohio on November 5th, the day before the election. So that's one week from today. The president will be here in one final push before the vote on Tuesday the 6th. Uh, it looks like he is going to... No, these are places he's visited in the past. We're, we, we don't have the exact location yet. We're, it, 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 he was at the IX Center before and some other locations as well. But he is going to visit Ohio, among other states, on November 5th, the day before the vote, uh, to support uh, Republican candidates, including Jim Renacci, uh, including uh, Beverly Goldstein, including Mike DeWine for governor, uh, and many uh, Anthony Gonzalez, and many other races as well. So that is uh, good news. By the way, speaking of um, voting day, uh, my wife and I did what I have been preaching for everyone to do on Saturday. We went to our local board of elections and we voted. Please don't wait until November 6th thinking I can do it during my lunch hour. I can do it during, uh, you know, after I get off work at 5 or 6 o'clock. Polls close at 7. Do not get shut out. The lines are going to be long. The turnout is going to be one of the highest turnouts that we've had for a midterm election in decades. Do not put yourself in the position to to miss the opportunity to vote. Please go and vote early. There's plenty of time at your local boards of elections right now for early voting like my wife and I did on Saturday. I urge you, I beg you, I implore you to do the same thing. Navy man Norm in Strongsville. Thanks for waiting, Norm. Go right ahead. So in the Democrats' cockeyed, insane world of tolerance, it's okay for the New York Times to publish a piece about the assassination of President Trump and then kind of brag about it. That's okay. I mean, from day one, the day after the election, these people have done nothing but embark on a campaign of vitriol and hatred against President Trump and the First Lady. We have seen nothing like it, Bob, in our entire history. You know, Benjamin Netanyahu made a comment about the uh, terrorists, or the Palestinian terrorists, Hamas, Hezbollah, and he says the only way there'll be peace in the Middle East is when they learn to love their children more than they hate us. And my, I'm going to take a, a little uh, poetic license and say the only way that we'll ever have peace in our country now is when the Democrats learn to love their God and love their country more than they hate us. And, I mean, they have made it plain. They despise us. I mean, from the name-calling, you know, it, it just boggles my mind. These people are, like you said, you know, not just Trump derangement syndrome, Bob, but Americans that arrangement syndrome when they talk about their values i i, I roll on the floor what values yeah it's an oxymoron it's an yeah, oxymoron it's liberals baby. don't have values they value nothing except power and that's it yeah ripping a baby from its mother's womb that's their value i mean <laughs> this dingbat that's running for senate in arizona uh calls the people a bunch of idiots calls it a meth lab of democracy and the uh, francis and the tutu for the Taliban against the United States, and she's close to the top in the polls with uh, Congressman McSally. I mean, this to me is, you know, Bob, I hate to say it, but uh, you may be right. We may be headed for a civil war. 
Because, I mean, I don't think there's any bargaining with these people. They're nuts. No, no, there, there, there is not. There is no bar. Norm, you're 100% right. Uh, they are nuts, and there is no bargaining with them, and that's the, the irony of it all. The irony of it all is they are acting like they want a civil war. They are acting as if they are, they, they're ready to fight. They're confronting people in the streets. They're knocking hats off of heads. They're stealing food off of tables. They're screaming in ears, violating personal space, and all of these things looking to provoke a fight. And then they blame us whenever things become violent. And that's the part of it that is so, it, it, that's the part that's so hypocritical. We want to start a war with you, but you're not allowed to be a part of it. You're not allowed to push back. You're not allowed to hit back. You're not allowed to yell back. You're not allowed to do anything back. Because if you do, and it incites a lunatic into doing something crazy, well, then it's on you, not us. Well, I told my wife, God forbid, if somebody should confront me in a restaurant for wearing my Trump hat, because they will wear my plate of food. Have a good day, Bob. Navy man, Norm, thank you, my friend. God bless. I appreciate your phone call. Wow. All right, uh, we're going to follow this story, obviously, out of Pittsburgh to see where it leads in the next uh, 24 hours. Well, 22 hours. We're back then tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock for the next Bob France Authority. In the meantime, stay where you are. Mike Gallagher is coming your way right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.